Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is Dorothy Polarski and I'd like to uh, welcome each and every one of you signing on today. Uh, we have a very, very, very special guest. I'm always very excited um, to have Susan Brinkman on. We've gotten a lot of emails from um, you know, people that joined our last session saying how much they enjoyed the presentation. And so I'd like to take a few minutes to tell you a little bit about Susan. So Susan is an author and an award-winning journalist and is a member of the Third Order of Discoursed Carmelites. She serves as the Director of Communications and the New Age Research for Women of Grace. And she's a frequent guest on EWTN's Women of Grace television show. Uh, she is the co-founder of the Catholic Life Institute, which is an educational apostolate devoted to teaching the authentic Catholic contemplative tradition. Susan formerly worked as a correspondent for the Catholic Standard and Times, the newspaper for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. For the last 10 years, she has been the lead researcher for Women's of Grace New Age blog Q&A, which now is the largest blog of its kind in the world. The library of information now exceeds 1,200 entries on everything from acupuncture and angels to Wicca and yoga. She has authored 11 books. <laughs> I want to talk to her about that one day, um, including the Learn to Discern Compendium, Is It Christian or New Age, which is, has an improv tour from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Liguri Publications published the story of her conversion entitled We Need to Talk, God Speaks to a Modern Girl, Along with Johnette Benkovic, she co-authored the Young Women of Grace study program, which teaches girls 13 plus what it means to be authentically feminine. Her latest publication, The Catholic Guide to Mindfulness, published by Avila Institute, which is an imprimatur from the Diocese of Birmingham, the Catholic Life Institute Pressed has published four of her books, Pray Like a Catholic, Live Like a Catholic, Mindful Like a Catholic, and Live the Little Way all have impromptures from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Her National Journalism Awards include the Bernadine O'Connor Award for Pro-Life Journalism, the Eileen Egan Journalism Award for from Catholic Relief Services, and numerous awards from the Catholic Press Association and the Philadelphia Press Association. Just before we got on, I was saying to my husband, we don't really deserve Susan Brinkman on Midday Moms, but I'm so glad we have her. <laughs> so uh, just a very big, big, big and warm welcome to you, Susan. Uh, thank you for gracing us with uh, your presence and your knowledge. Uh, for those of you that are joining us today, please say hello in the chat. Um, hello, Claude. It's good to see you. I'm from St. David's Parish in, in Maple. Um, anyone else here? Please tell us where you're from. If you're from, you know, uh, you know, Anna from Alabama or Maria from Minnesota, say hello. We like to we, we like to know who's here. 
And now, before we get into the interview with Susan about Halloween, I do want to take uh, just a few minutes to tell you a little bit about our ministry. Um, our ministry, uh, we say is real easy to remember, three words, catholicmomsgroup.com, doesn't get easier than that, catholicmomsgroup.com. We are on a ministry, we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we do so primarily by helping parishes start Catholic moms groups. I was saying to Susan, you know, one of the main reasons we host this is that we're praying and hoping that one of you feels called to start a Catholic moms group at your parish and make an impact. Um, I'm gonna show just very quickly our you know, three minute video, just so you can get a sense of who we are. And then we're gonna dive right in with Susan. Um, I guess I should say hello to a few people here. Uh, Candace, Candace, Candace from Kansas. <laughs> Hi Kansas, how are you? Uh, Tina from Indiana, Nelsie from Milton, Lisa from Kitchener, Rishma from Woodstock. Hello, all of you. If you have a specific question, I know some of you have seen the video a couple of times because some of you come out often, but some of you are coming just for Susan. So I am going to play the short video. While the video is playing, maybe you can think of a couple of questions that you might have for Susan. Okay. But in the meantime, I am going to share with you our short ministry video. Come Holy Spirit. And that's not the video. There we go. <laughs> so um, our ministry, Catholic Moms Group, three words, catholicmomsgroup.com. We help parishes start um, mothers groups for moms only, for mothers and tots, or virtual groups. And here's our three-minute short video, and I hope you enjoy it. Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God to know him and love him and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending mass could not name the moms sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together. Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? A group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at, can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mother's group, it's not rocket science. 
but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mother's groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mother's group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mother's group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mother's group at your parish. Join us today. special warm welcome to Susan. Um, Susan, you know, we were chatting a little bit before the session started today, and we were talking a little bit about just the extremes. Um, you know, certain moms just like shut the doors and don't accept trick-or-treaters, and then the others are dressing their daughters up as, you know, witches, and they don't recognize, you know, the potential evil. And, and many people believe that the feasts of all saints and all souls are derived from paganism. You know, is this true? Can you give us some of the facts about Halloween? Sure, Dorothy. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me here. It's a privilege to be, to be here with you, with all the moms. I just so admire you, the way you're just organizing yourselves. You're not waiting for someone else to do it. You're just picking up yourself and, and going ahead and joining in with other mothers. And I, that's just the way things have to be done in the church these days. Our dear priests and, and our dear clergy, they're just stretched so thin. And, and whatever help we can give uh, by helping ourselves, I think we should do. And I just to really take my hat off to you, Dorothy, and all of you uh, mothers out there. So anyway, I'm happy to be with you. And on the subject of Halloween, I know that it, it can be a touchy subject with some people. Um, but there's a lot of fallacies about Halloween out there that I, I'd like to try to clear up. And I think it's a good thing, too, for moms to know this. They can explain it to their children because it might help their children to understand this a little bit better, too. The idea that that Halloween or that that all saints and all, all souls day is derived from a pagan feast is just plain malarkey. It's not true at all. Um, it's it's uh, it was a construct of the Protestant Reformation. They, they said everything, Easter, Christmas, they, they throw it all in there. And they say, oh yeah, all of Catholicism is based on paganism. And it's just, it's a bunch of bunk. But um, the Feast of uh, All Saints and All Souls, actually um, that progressed totally independently from Halloween. 
they both have two different histories there. Um, the Feast of All Saints began in the fourth century and it was established by the early Christians. And, and they had this feast to, to commemorate the martyrs who gave their lives for the faith during those first very bloody centuries of the church. And originally they celebrated it on May 13th, but uh, in the ninth century, Pope Gregory IV moved it to November the 1st. And that's where the connection to Halloween came in. November the 1st just happened to be the same day that the pagans used to mark the celebration of Samhain, which was the beginning of the Celtic winter. And Samhain was, was the Celtic Lord of Death. And his name literally meant summer's end. And since winter is a season of cold and of darkness and things dying out, the, Celt the Celts you know, soon made this connection with human death. So on the eve of Samhain, which is October 31st, that was a time when the Celts would, uh, would make sacrifices, um, when Samhain would allow the souls of the dead to return to their earthly homes for an evening. Uh, a little bit of the Day of the Dead from Mexico kind of was mixed in with that because they believe that too, that they're allowed to come, come back, their ancestors, just for that one time. Uh, ghosts, witches, goblins, elves, they, they could come to earth and hurt people, particularly those who had inflicted harm on them in this, in this life. So in order to protect themselves, the people would put all their fires out, they would extinguish all their, their hearth fires. And the Druids, who were priests and spiritual teachers in those days, um, they would build this huge bonfire of sacred oak branches and they would burn, they would offer these burnt sacrifices of crops and animals and even human beings. They would burn in there. And then they would use the ashes to tell fortunes. Uh, that was, you know, based on the on the location and the examination of the burnt remains. So that, that, that's how they would tell their fortunes for the year. And sometimes people would attend these ceremonies dressed in costumes, animal heads, you know, animal skins, that kind of thing. But that's what the Celts did. Now, another part of the world, um, another part of the planet, the Irish were also creating their own legends. They, they would hold a parade at that time of year in honor of a god named Mogala. Uh, and they would beg for food along the way. So here's where the treats came in. They also had this legend, the jack-o'-lantern, which is a story about a man named Jack who was, he was forbidden to enter heaven because of his stinginess. And he couldn't enter hell because he played practical jokes on the devil. So he was condemned to walk the earth with a lantern carved out of a pumpkin until judgment day. Then you had the Romans, uh, conquest of Britain in AD 43, brought two more feasts into late October that still really influenced the celebration of, of Halloween. One was the Feast of Feralia, which is held in October to honor the dead. And the other was an autumn festival in honor of Pomona, who's the goddess of fruit and trees. And some people believe that that's responsible for the association of apples with Halloween. So in spite of the fact that Christianity had spread throughout the world, many cultures have maintained a lot of these traditions, which is what set the stage really for the collision between the Feast of All Saints and that of Halloween. So instead of observing the Christian cu custom of remembering deceased loved ones in a, that was special on All Saints Day, uh, the culture exploited these pagan elements and practices and they created a kind of pseudo holiday. And that's really what we have right now. We have a pseudo holiday. Those who say that All Saints Day comes from a pagan holiday are just flat out wrong. All Saints Day evolved out of a purely Christian ethos and not from pagan idolatry. So you got to ask, well, where does that leave parents and children? 
know, the kids want to dress up, they want to collect a bag full of treats, they want to do all these things. So I, my opinion on this and what I would advise parents is that whatever the extent and the level of your involvement has to be remain a prudential decision for individual parents. Um, but for all parents, it should be a time to instruct children on the value of praying for our dead and to challenge them to become saints. You know, it's, it's up to us not to let this very important day become obscured in paganism because of the spiritual dangers that this presents to our children. It's especially true when it comes to costuming. Anyone who has firsthand knowledge of the occult will tell you it's nothing to celebrate. So, so you know, the occult, do not celebrate it. No costumes that witches, sorcerers, the devil, that's out, definitely off your list of possibilities. Don't even go there. But don't just say no to the child, right? Here's where the instruction comes in. Tell them why. Go into the catechism. Let them know how dangerous it is to fool around with dark forces, such as magic, which their literature is infested with magic. Definitely, you know, take the time to explain who Satan is, according to our church, that he's this dark and malevolent being that roams the world looking for people to destroy. He's never your friend. He's never out to do good for you. You know, never mind all that Hollywood babble that has nothing, has no resemblance at all to the truth. If they want to dress up, let's say they, okay, I want to be a zombie. Well, explain to them what a zombie is. It's a person who has been allegedly now reanimated after dying by a preternatural power such as voodoo. The church doesn't believe in reanimation after death or in the voodoo that supposedly enables it. So you can explain these things to them. If you get too much eye rolling, you know, if they're old enough to handle it, explain to them that according to exorcists, there's a marked increase in occult activity around Halloween, which is why many of them say that this holiday should be outright banned or substituted. And some of this stuff is, is really sad that goes on around this time. Um, Father Aldo Buonato, who he serves, he at one time served as a spokesman for the International Association of Exorcists. Um, he said his group, their emergency number receives about 40 calls a day around this time of year um, from parents who believe their, their child has been initiated into the occult or is involved in it in some, time, in some way. And he says, many say Halloween is a simple carnival, but in fact, there is nothing innocent or fun about it. It is the antechamber to something much more dangerous. There are always more evil rituals, animal sacrifices, desecrations of uh, cemeteries, and thefts of sacred bones at the time of October 31st. Tell that to your children, that, that innocent little animals are being sacrificed on altars. This is the pagan idea of Halloween. This is the, this is the paganism that that version of Halloween is based on. It's evil. It's wrong. Who wants to be involved in it? I have two black, black and white tuxedo cats. I do not let them out on mischief night or Halloween night. I will not let them out because I'm too afraid of what could happen to them, it's particularly to black cats. Now, so, can I just, can I ask sure. you a quick question? Um, sure. One of the moms in the uh, chats, and I, I know that, um, you know, that we don't have a lot of time, but um, she's asked the question, um, how do you handle, you know, different Catholic schools? She's saying that in, in the Catholic school, that one of them is actually, you know, hosting a variety of games. And one of those games is, I was shocked, is actually the Ouija board. Can you tell us a little bit? Oh, no, 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 no. I would go to the bishop. 
First, you got to go to the priest. You got to go to the pastor. Give him fair warning. You either get that Ouija board out of this school or I'm going to the bishop. The Ouija board, any exorcist will tell you some of their, their, their most difficult cases begin with that board. That is direct contact with the occult. It is just downright irresponsible to put that in there. And whoever's putting it in there, I guarantee you they have no clue what they're doing. They don't know anything about a Ouija board. That, that, should, that is just abomin an abomination to me that that would be in a Catholic school. Okay, okay, so I will go to the bishop. I don't know if your bishop's very good. You know, he might not think anything of it either. Um, but there's plenty of information out there from credible sources on the Ouija board that you could send him maybe just something with bullet points, because that's really all they want are bullet points. They don't want a whole treatise to have to read. But um, I would put a stop to that immediately and not let that child get involved in it. At least your own children tell them don't go anywhere near that board. They are summoning summoning spirits. It's the same thing as, as if they were sitting there in a seance and calling the dead. So I guess just one little, um, I, I wanna just quickly say to the moms that are out there is that one way that a lot of moms lose their um, credibility when they're communicating with principals or pastors or bishops is that, you know, instead of presenting the bishop or the priest or the principal with facts, they, they, they get extremely emotional and extremely angry and they rage, right? And while that might be something that you're feeling internally, um, that's not a particularly effective, you know, way of beginning dialogue with a pastor or with a priest or with a bishop. Whereas if you can, um, you know, if you can do what, you know, Susan is suggesting and write a letter um, highlighting five or six, you know, bullet points with external references, um, you, you're going you're gonna to be a, a much better lobbyist and a much more effective intercessor. Um, I, I think I've seen, you know, you know, a lot of moms just make the mistake of being over emotional about it instead of being factual and lobbying. Um, and if and you don't have that, sorry? And accusatory. You don't want to be accusatory. Accusatory. Yeah, that's probably. You don't want to do that. You don't want to accuse and just say, I understand that this, this is, is taking place in the school. And I want to point out to you, um, these are some of the facts about the Ouija board and why I would uh, seriously recommend that you not allow that practice in the school. Um, or you do something to interrupt that, that particular practice in the school uh, because of these reasons. And then if you put the bulletin points, I used to work years ago as a correspondent for our Archdiocesan newspaper. And I know this just from working around the bishop's office and that if it's not in little bullet points, they would always tell us this. If, if you don't have little bullet points, they won't read it. Like two page, even a two page letter is too much for them. One page, bullet points. But the good thing about that, Dorothy, is it because it, it prevents them from becoming over emotional, like what you're just saying. It forces you to, to get beyond your emotions because you have every right to be upset, <laughs> every right to be upset about that. But you want to, you know, be innocent as a dove, but as wise as a serpent. You want to play this card right and put those emotions aside to sit there and put together that nice factual bullet point list to, to send um, to your pastor first. And if he doesn't, you have to go through the chain of command, go to the pastor uh, first about it, principal, pastor, bishop, 
and see if you can get anywhere. The principle probably is going to be don't even go there because I mean you, you have to do it because you have to do it, but don't expect much because if she's already allowing it in there. She doesn't know anything about Ouija board. Um, the pastor may not either. He might just be going along with her and not even know what's going on in the school. So, but eventually you're going to have to go to the bishop about something like that. Now, do you have in forbidden the, in the catechism? It's forbidden in the catechism. So in your letter that you're writing to the, you know, principal, pastor, and bishop, you could actually um, include that section from the um, Catholic catechism. I, I don't remember what number divination, it is. Divination and magic, consulting horoscopes, the not clairvoyance, recourse to mediums. Um, let me see. Uh, palm reading, interpretation, uh, sorcery. This is all forbidden by the church. And the, a Ouija board is summoning the dead. That's what it is. Read the box. That's what the box says. So um, that would be sections 2115 to 2117 in the catechism. 2115 and, two and 2117. Okay. And if so anybody is, is, is drafting a letter like that and wants to get some advice on, on that letter, you please send me the letter and I'll look at it and help you put it together. Uh, just send it to me at S. Brinkman with two N's on the end at womenofgrace.com and I will read over your letter before oh, you that's send a, it. That's I, a, I would be happy to do that, Dorothy. I'd be happy to help them with that. That would be, um, I'm just thinking that that's one thing that, you know, either Women of Grace or we should have in our library because many moms face, you know, such a pagan, um, animation of Halloween in the school system, then they kind of feel helpless in terms of how to approach it. Whereas if we maybe even helped them construct that kind of letter that they can just, you know, retype, it might uh, help them. Um, for someone's here, someone for someone who considers that there's nothing bad about it because you're not likely actually doing anything wrong, someone who thinks that this celebration is fiction, how would you start off the conversation with this person who doesn't consider that you're overreacting? Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Susan? Or okay, someone who considers that there's nothing bad about the Ouija board, really what they're saying, there's nothing bad about evil spirits because that's what the Ouija board is connecting you to is to evil spirits. She's um, saying Halloween, not net, like, so people that think that Halloween, oh, is that Halloween, that Halloween is, is, is there's nothing bad about happened. Halloween in it. Um, there, there are a lot of things that are bad about Halloween, and we just kind of discussed some of those things that are bad about Halloween. Um, but you could say that, that um, Halloween in my faith is actually uh, something that we celebrate with, in, in, with All Saints Day and All Souls Day. And so we have a different view of you have the secular version of Halloween. We don't have that. Ours is all Hallow's Eve, which is a holy day for us. And this is how we celebrate it. Um, so you don't have to get into what's bad. Just get into, hey, this is my faith. This is what I believe. You're supposed to be tolerant. You don't have to say it that way, but hey, you're supposed to be tolerant. So never mind telling me I'm wrong and, and backward. This is my faith. This is what I believe about Halloween. There is a secular version of Halloween. And then we have All Saints and All Souls Day. And our children will dress up as saints or they dress up as something beautiful. I mean, they could be dressed up as, as uh, was one writer. Um, he said, you can dress up if you want as a guy with an ax in his head and he can be one of the martyrs who died that way. I mean, I mean, there's things that you can do with your kids to make them be, you know, kind of cool Halloween, but, but it can still be focused, all saints. Focused on the saints. 
So yeah, that's why I would go about it, is that you're not actually doing anything wrong. It's just that the secular version of, of Halloween celebrates the occult and the occult is dangerous. So I guess just a, a couple of things, because I know, Susan, you said that um, that, you know, that you had to sort of sign off at 2.30. So I've got one more minute with you. Um, so just a couple of very practical tips then. So for parents, you know, do not allow your kids to dress up as, you know, witches or anything, you know, ghoulish. Keep the keep the um, keep the costumes uh, celebrating something beautiful, something good, something holy. Do you have any other sort of tips, some practical tips for moms that are joining us today? Well, just to explain to your little one what Halloween means, you know, what All Hallows Eve, what that means so that the children themselves understand it because they're going to be out there seeing things and you want them to really have a Catholic lens through which to see these things. And that Catholic lens comes from the parents. We're the only ones who can do that. I don't think you can give a Catholic lens to a child by just saying, no, 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 you can't do it. You have to sit there with them and show them what's going on and say, this is what's wrong with it and explain it to them. And that way you give them that lens, that Catholic lens. I know I, I spoke with a developmental psychologist, very Catholic woman years ago now, and she taught me that. She said, you, you don't just say, no, no, don't do it. If they want to watch this bad show, say, sit there with them and show them what's wrong in that show. Um, and also, you know, try to explain to them uh, about the occult. This is something that kids are really, oh, they're getting so pulled into this occult and they don't know, have any idea what they're getting involved in. They're all going by Hollywood's version of it. They have no real critical information about the occult, about demons, about the preternatural beings that they are and what powers come with preternatural beings. Um, and this is infesting kids' literature and their books, their video games, their games are full of this stuff. Um, and well, I mean, I could get into a lot more about that too. We probably will have to do a whole other show on that, but you know, and why the dead can't come back from the dead. They don't have the power to do that. Once they leave the body, you're, they're just a mind. You don't have your senses anymore. So you can't just appear. There's really no such thing as a ghost for that matter. Okay. A ghost is not the, the, a deceased person who comes back from the dead, only if God allows it, because God has to facilitate it, because that deceased person can't do those things. They don't have the ability to do it once they become a disembodied soul. So either a supernatural or a preternatural power has to give them that ability, and that's either God, who's supernatural, and preternatural will be angels or devils. And angels don't do what God's not going to do. So... God's not going to allow, say, somebody to come, come back, your Uncle Joe, to a medium. He's not going to allow that because he says it in scripture, Deuteronomy 18.10. People who do that are an abomination to him. Mm -hmm. The only person left, if the disembodied soul can't, God's not going to do it. His angels won't do it because God won't. Who's left? Mm -hmm. The devil. And try to explain to children some of these things, to teach them, to try to counter what is being taught to them in the culture, because what's being taught to, taught to them in the culture is wrong. It's inaccurate information. It's misinformation. Most of it's coming from Hollywood. It's sensationalized. Um, and I think it's going to be up to the parents uh, to really show them and teach the child, okay, this is the truth about it. Yeah, well, this, this is why... You know, this is why, you know, our ministry is so passionate about reaching out to moms and 
creating a sense of urgency that it's kind of like, hey, mom, you know, you better huddle with your kids and recognize that the school's not doing it, the, you know, and that that you need yes. to put your kids and pass down the faith and you need to have that, you know, bond with your children that is stronger than any other bond. And right now, you know, just for 101 different reasons, moms aren't spending as much time as they used to in the past with their children. And so some of those sacred truths aren't being passed down, right? Like, do we tell our children that, yes, you have a guardian angel, yes, there is a heaven, and yes, there is a hell, and yes, you're making choices daily, right? Like, it's almost as if we're you know, we we, for, we think nothing about dressing up our kids as witches, but we don't want to tell them about Satan and we don't want to tell, it's just, sometimes it's crazy, right? It is. It's very crazy. In fact, one, my bio that you read, I it wasn't up to date and that's not your fault because I didn't, I must not have kept up to date, but I actually wrote another book and this is the one that, that I have now, which is, it's called Fight Like a Catholic and it's spiritual warfare in the Catholic tradition. And the first chapter of this book, I consider to be the most important Thing that I've ever written in my life. This is the most important chapter of my life. And the, you know what the, the name of it is? Who is Satan? And what it does is it explains to you what a preternatural being is and what kind of powers it has. And once you understand that, you will never again believe that this psychic or medium down the street can conjure your Uncle Joe your diseased uncle. You'll never again believe that. You'll never again believe that a psychic um, can tell your future for you. You'll never again, because once you understand the power that Satan has and the motive he has to be hiding behind that, you won't even go there anymore. It, it's fight like a Catholic. You can get it on Amazon, but it, it's a very important, very straightforward. I would not recommend it for children under 15 years old, because this is not Hollywood. This is the real stuff. There's over 300 citations in here of the different books and and at least 11 different no maybe 10 10 or 11 different exorcists their work is included in the book um understand it yourself so that you can you can teach the child what the truth is and in a way that's age appropriate yeah and so um you know so someone's saying here how would you explain to children in simple words why dressing up in evil costumes or putting on putting up Halloween decorations in the front of your house could expose them um, to bad. Um, and, you know, Mammy, uh, I, I, I as a mom, what I would be sort of saying to my children, you know, let's dress up as something beautiful, you know, let's dress up as something, um, you know, good. Um, and, and I don't know if any other of the moms have the right language maybe to use with little kids on how to explain it to them. Please feel free to, um, you know, to, to share it in the chat. Uh, now, Susan, I, I know that you um, mentioned that we had a, a half hour, so I want to... Yeah, well, we're finished. We'll, we'll be done. Well, I, just, I, I just wanted to say something about that particular comment from Mamie. Um, why dressing up with evil causes or putting up Halloween in front of could expose us to the bad. It's not that you're going to draw the bad to yourself. What you're doing is celebrating what's bad. And we don't want to celebrate what's bad. We don't want to do that. It's not like putting a, something up on your front lawn is going to attract Satan to you. It's not necessarily going to do that. Um, but I would explain to the child that, that what it's doing when people are dressing up 
as devils and witches and sorcerers and wizards and stuff like that. It, what they're doing is celebrating things that are bad and that hurt people. And we don't want to do that in Halloween. We don't want to do that at all. We just want to celebrate um, our saints. We want to celebrate our faith. Um, we want to celebrate all that's good in the world. So, and I noticed last year at Halloween, the kids that were coming to my door, I was not seeing zombies. I saw no Harry Potters. I saw um, people dressed up as angels. I saw people dressed up as ballerinas. I saw boys dressed up as- I Firemen. Now someone's asking, is yeah. it okay for them to dress up as, you know, animals like Nemo or Little Red Riding yeah. Hood? Stuff and like that. And superheroes, Superman. I saw some Spider-Man. Um, you know, Batman, stuff like that, but not, I didn't see what I normally would see, which is, you know, the kids dressed up like, like zombies with blood coming down and all this kind of stuff. Um, I didn't see a whole lot about of that. I almost every year I would see witches and that would just make my skin crawl when I would see that. I think to this mother, what are you doing? Why are you, what are but, you doing? Dressing up your daughter? I don't know. I'm just supposed to give out the candy. So um, yeah, it's, it does get very frustrating and you just but but it doesn't actually expose them to the bad what it does is it celebrates the bad and we don't celebrate bad things because that just proliferates the bad i mean you would use language for a child but you don't want to celebrate things that are bad would you celebrate killing killing a puppy you know <laughs> would you celebrate things like, of course not um and we don't want to celebrate because that's what's happening unfortunately they're killing animals and stuff on that night that they're yeah and you don't want to tell your child that like give them nightmares but that's what's going on out there on Halloween and on mischief yeah. night, which is the night before. Yeah, and I guess just this is a, a little side, whatever, but very often priests um, at a parish, they've never even considered hosting um, an All Saints Day party. And I know that in, you know, some of you have read my book, you know, um, Motherhood Matters. And in there, I describe how, you know, we hosted a All Saints Day party and then, um, at my children's school, I asked the school principal, could we host an All Saints Day project contest? And so um, I actually ran a saints club at the school and then offered prizes for kids that did a project on a saint and offered, like I offered ridiculously generous prizes because I figured what the heck, right? And uh, and so then the, you know, on, on the Halloween, we were posting up literally about 60 billboards with 60 projects from 60 students on different saints. And, and the parents really, really got into it as well. So we gave notice to the parents that, okay, we have this Saints Club, you know, we're going to have these seven prizes. And if your child does a, you know, a project on one of these saints, and if they use pictures, and if they use this, and, and if they come dressed up as that saint, there'll be bonus points. And it was just so beautiful to see an entire hall in a Catholic school with all of these projects, right? So, you know, very often it takes, 
you know, you and me, the mothers, to speak to the school principal with this idea of having a Saints Day contest and offering the prizes yourself. And um, oftentimes it takes, you know, you to say to your pastor, look, I've got five or six moms together. We want to organize an All Saints Day party, Father. You're not going to have to do anything. And then it gives um, families an alternative thing to do on, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if any of you are in Mississauga, but the All Saints Day party that is traditionally held at St. Maximilian Kolbe Church is just a huge, 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 remarkable celebration. And, and that is because like one or two moms planted the seed. And, and I'm just begging moms not to sit on the sidelines, okay? Like, if you and I don't go to battle for our kids, and if you and I don't go to battle with the priest, with the school principal, with the bishop, who will? You know? Um, so, anyway, I gotta be careful. I can go on a bit too long. Um, so, any other sort of uh, closing thoughts that you have, Susan, for moms? Well, I think um, I like what one comment that somebody put up here that they, they, she uses the word kind to describe good costumes to her child. I think that's that's very, very good. We wanna dress up as something that's kind, a being that's kind, a nurse, a fire, a firefighter, a policeman, you know, somebody who's kind, you know, that kind of thing. And then another one is saying how hard it is for teenage girls to find appropriate costumes because you know how they wanna dress teenage girls these days, so, so sexualized. Good. I could just remember um, going out one year as a Martian and I had like a regular you know, outfit on um, and I painted my face silver and that, and I put like these, you know, the, the girls, you just get them silly and they'll sit down and they'll come up with their costumes without having to go out and buy all these, you know, hot, these sexualized things, you know, let them do that. But um, I think really that, that just uh, to, to make sure that the child understands what the real Halloween is, what it's really all about and what the secularized version is so that they can tell the difference between the two. And they can understand that there is a difference between the two. Because I think sometimes that the blurring of the lines in there, that that's where a lot of the damage is done. Um, and if we can just distinguish between the two, um, it will help the child to have clarity uh, going forward, for, especially for not just for this Halloween holiday, but for all the things that we celebrate, such as witchcraft, which is huge among teenage girls right now. Huge. I mean, I don't even want to get into it. That's how horrible it is. Um, best-selling books right now on Amazon are all witchcraft and it's all young girls that are buying it. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah. and so I think one thing that I'm also hearing from you, Susan, is just this whole idea that sometimes, you know, moms are so busy that they forget, I know this, you know, we're so busy that we forget to think. And then when we can't think, we can't understand. And when we can't think and understand, we can't explain. And, and, and so, you know, really, we need to remember how important our role is because if we're just kind of like rushing through Halloween and rushing through the costumes and rush, and we ourselves aren't rooted in knowledge and truth, then we can't communicate that knowledge and truth. And we're just having, you know, like bursts of frustration at home and children don't respond well to that. Whereas if we can explain to them, um, yes, there is a heaven. Yes, there is a hell. Yes, we're Catholic and being Catholic is different. And no, we don't celebrate the devil. Um, the, the one thing too I've seen often is that 
moms have somehow lost their maternal authority. You know, sometimes I don't know how it's happened. Like I had a, a very, um, I had, a, I had a mom that, you know, her no was no. And if I wasn't allowed to dress as a witch, there wasn't very often an explanation, right? Like that, that we don't, that yes, if we can't explain, we do, but don't lose your maternal authority. Um, and I mean, like a loving authority. I don't mean like an autocratic, um, whatever, but, but some moms are afraid to almost exercise their authority because they're so busy. Um, okay, anyway, um, my teenage cousin was a holy cow one year. <laughs> I love it. Are you let the girls, I'm telling you, you let them sit out, they're going to come up with funny stuff. Forget going out and buying it. Let, let them come up with it themselves and they'll come up with, holy cow, that's a really good one. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Um, okay, so practical things. Keep away from the crazy costumes. Um, uh, keep away from the crazy decorations of the house. There are such things as cute you know, cute pumpkins and beautiful wreaths, like no one is saying, you know, you don't want to shut the door, not open the door and, and be afraid of Halloween in an unhealthy way that you can't even say hello to your neighbors. And um, so we still want to be accessible to our neighbors, I think. Um, and um, write a letter to your pastor, confront these things, a, a definite no to the Ouija board. Um, yeah, so yeah, and yeah. run an All Saints Day party. If you need some help with that, it's fairly easy to organize. And um, I think that that's good summary there, Dorothy. That's a great summary. I mean, just remember that this is our holiday too. All saints and all souls. And we don't have to give up ground to Halloween, to the secular version of Halloween. We can we can celebrate it our way. We have every right to do that. And, and um, hopefully we will do it. And it sounds like these mothers here have some great ideas going. Holy cows. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, really love it. I love it. Uh, I, I love it. A, a picture of St. Michael slaying the devil on her front door. I think this is so great. I mean, there's things you can do under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, things that you can do, I think, to, to keep the holy in this holiday and not let the secular version run away with the show. I, I, I really think that we should just do our thing. And, and but again, it's up to the prudential decision of the parent as to how involved they want to get in it. Yeah. And, and just remind your kids that, hey, you have your own guardian angel. You have an angel like because kids love the supernatural. Um, remind kids about St. Michael, the archangel, like the real angel, St. Michael. And remind and teach children, too, that they have power to pray for the holy souls and to release, you know, yeah. souls from purgatory by their prayers and sacrifices. I, I think that we've kind of given you know, our children white toast when it comes to the supernatural instead of giving our children the real deal. Um, do your children know to pray for the souls in purgatory and that that helps souls and it helps us? Um, anyway, you've got an aloha here from a mom in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> I know who that is. <laughs> so uh, aloha, aloha. I wish it was as warm here as it is probably there right now because it's getting cold here in Pennsylvania. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So just in closing, um, I wanted to thank everybody for signing on. I was chatting with um, Susan a little bit before we came on. 
that um, many of you have mentioned that you'd like to spend more time with Susan and that maybe we can have either a full day retreat together or maybe an evening retreat that's a little bit longer. And um, Susan and I would like to customize something like that for you. If you could write to um, me at info at catholicmomsgroup.com and let me know some of the things you'd like to have covered in that type of retreat because um, Susan and I are committed to meeting your needs. We want to help you, okay? We want to help you um, fight the good fight and pass down the Catholic faith. And remember to pray with your children, to pray for your children, and to teach your children to pray. Um, so remember, everybody, tomorrow is the feast of uh, St. John Paul, the great St. John Paul II, and uh, I love him dearly. We shared the same birthday. I sent him a card, his oh. office wrote back, so... <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so thank you everyone for joining us. A big warm thank you to you, Susan. Uh, really, really appreciate your wisdom, your knowledge, and your time. And um, I, I'd like a couple of people here to volunteer to pray a rosary for Susan's intentions. And if you feel inspired, I would also ask you that you make a donation uh, to our ministry through PayPal that I can forward to um, uh, Susan. You know that um, we offer these midday mom sessions week after week, and we offer them for free. And you know, we 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 would like to we 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 would like to change that and be able to, I guess, um, you know. You know, pay some of our speakers that come on and, and things like that. So please do, don't forget the PayPal button. It really helps. And uh, we love you. We're praying for you. And please pray a rosary for Susan's intentions. And uh, we'll see you next week. We have uh, Teresa Hartnett coming on from the Diocese of Hamilton talking about the importance of family meals. So uh, look forward to next week. Susan, thank you. We'll be in touch about going a little deeper with you. Love you. Love you. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye now.